Hi, everybody. This is Indy Damaka, and in this season of unrest and illness, it is important for me to reiterate the purpose of the 40th Year Podcast. This podcast is here to educate and entertain the global audience about popular culture in association to societal issues. It's imperative to know that the 40th Year Podcast can be explicit in nature due to language. I ask if you are under the age of 18, please have a parent or guardian sit with you to discuss any topics where you didn't understand. In addition, any topics discussed on the 40th Year Podcast has been researched with the best of my knowledge. Let's start this episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Indy Damaka, and this is the 40th Year Podcast, Episode 19. Again, welcome. Um, first, I would like to apologize about last week. I just was overwhelmed and outdone by the community at large. And I could give you specifics, but you all have seen it on the TV screens and on social media. And you probably were out in the streets protesting as well. And so you're probably feeling the same way that I'm feeling. And it's crazy because we see all this unrest and we see all this injustice and we see the conversation of a global health pandemic going on at the same time. And it's kind of just devastating, especially whatever is going on in our homes and in our workplaces. It's very, it can be very troubling to the point that it can cause someone to go into a mental I guess mental distress is what I'll call it. And so I think it was um, imperative for me to speak out. I wish I could have said a little bit more, but I, like I said, I was overwhelmed and I appreciate, appreciate you guys for not judging me because I didn't get any comments, which I was actually kind of shocked because I, I don't normally do that short of a podcast. So I think I was overwhelmed for like a couple of days in regards to what the reaction would be, but I haven't heard anything and I didn't get any negative feedback from any of the digital platforms about it. So I appreciate them for that as well. But I think in the midst of it, I think one of the things I wanted to talk about was just making sure that we take care of ourselves in this season. Um, we do not know what the next day holds. I think I think I could say that um, with some distinction. And I think we need to really focus on our self-care during this time. And you're thinking, well, what should we do? I think a lot of times when you hear people talking about self-care, they kind of make it a complex situation. Um, and I don't think it's really that. It could just be trying to make sure that you eat three times a day and have snacks in between. If you are someone who has a pre-existing health condition, you make sure that you do the best that you can to prevent your pre-existing condition to get worse. Stuff like that. Um, I spend a lot of time because I am a Christian, I do prayer and I do praise and worship at times, but I think uh, sometimes you need to also activate in that. And so I exercise and I also meditate. Um, I started doing guided meditation like a couple of weeks ago. That's been really helpful. Normally I meditate like Monday through Friday, but I've started to do it like seven days a week because I have a lot of stuff going on in my personal life right now, and it's me tending to a loved one. And so it's kind of 
with all this stuff going on and that it's taking the toll. So I um, find that this podcast helps me as well. And so if you're like a creative like me, maybe you can find an outlet like doing a podcast or creating a blog or just using your creativity in a manner that will help heal you while we're in this season. So be sure to take care of yourself and um, before you take care of someone else, because that's very imperative. Um, I think the thing that disheartened me the most is I understand those who are protesting but where is like we we know y'all can't practice social distancing, but where's y'all mask at? That's how I know y'all know either y'all know something or you all are that naive to think that you won't get COVID-19, especially you all who've already gotten it. That's you have a pre-existing condition now. I just want y'all to do better for yourselves before we go on this crusade, because that's what it is wholeheartedly. My dad had called it a revolution is taking place in the United States right now. I had considered it a civil war. And my brother had told my dad that it looked like a setup by the government. And I consider when I said civil war, it's a revolution and a setup at the same time. And so I think it's just imperative for us to be in really in a really good headspace as well as being physically ready for whatever comes our way. We can't look to the past and we damn sure can't look to the future. We gotta stay fast in the present because we just, as I said before, we just don't know what is gonna be coming the next day. And so I'm appreciative of everybody who listens and those who are new and those that are old. I appreciate you guys. Um, I'm gonna roll with this podcast until the wheels fall off. You know I said that before and I mean that Um, There probably will be more moments like um, episode 18, living in America, um, if things get thick, because my priority is myself first. And I hope that you guys will understand that. And I know that if it was you, I would understand as well. So let's get to the topics at hand. Okay, y'all, let's get into it. And I'm pretty sure you know what this topic is about. Yes, yes, yes. It is about the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis, St. Paul. I'm not going to go through the situation verbatim because y'all already know we've been out in the streets or you guys have been out in the streets since the death on the 25th. And so I kind of want to bring a fresh pair of eyes to something that I noticed in the situation that I think was very intriguing. Um, to be honest with you, um, one of the, I kept thinking, what is the common denominator in this situation besides police brutality and racism? And lo and behold, I'm suddenly sitting at the computer in my family's house and I hear them say that George Floyd and the officer Derek Chauvin, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name, I apologize. Um, I realized that they worked at the same job. Now, some of you all are saying, what job was that? Um, It was a, the research, they, y'all, they're down there calling a nightclub. So I'm going to respect the architect's 
down in Minneapolis and call it a nightclub. But when I saw it, it looked like a restaurant and the restaurant is called El Nuevo Rodeo. And so what was interesting enough is that not only George Floyd and Officer Chauvin worked there, currently the president of the Minneapolis City Council, a woman by the last name of Jenkins, she also worked there. All three of them worked there as security detail. And I thought that was intriguing. As I continue to do research, the what the local media in Minneapolis, St. Paul, they call the woman. Her name is Maya Santa Maria, and she is she they're saying former owner. I did research. I did not see any real estate transactions to make me think that that this woman was the former owner of El Nuevo Rodeo. And in addition, the building has been burnt down as well as this woman's radio station, which is called La Raza. I didn't get the call numbers or call letters for the radio station, but the building that encompassed the radio station and Nuevo Rodeo has been burnt down. One other thing that I noticed was that Miss Santa Maria also has a GoFundMe account, which I thought if you are the former owner, why would you need a GoFundMe account for a place that you no longer own. It was intriguing. So as I looked at Miss Santa Maria, she has been given access to the media. It went all the way to the Daily Mail in the UK to an independent digital media outlet. And her conversation was very funny to me because her conversation was switching every time she was in front of somebody whether it was international, national, and local, about George Floyd and about Derek Chauvin. I want to read um, a presentation that is, I guess it's a flyer that is floating around in regards to Officer Chauvin. And I'm going to give you a little bit of information of what the architects of Minneapolis and St. Paul is saying about this flyer. The flyer says, who is Derek M. Chauvin? This is the Minneapolis police officer who murdered George Floyd on May 25th, 2020. The restraint technique used by Shaven to murder Floyd was not part of the department's training. Being, he's being represented by Tom Kelly, the same attorney, same attorney who got Officer Geronimo Yanez acquitted. Uh, Yanez is the officer who, mur who murdered Philandro Cast Castillo. Derek Shaven was put on leave in 2011 for an inappropriate police shooting um, of Leroy Martinez, who was an Alaskan Native American in Minneapolis. Shaven also shot in a guy named Iron Latrell Toys. He was unarmed black 21-year-old man in 2008. Shaven was one of the officers who murdered a man named Wayne Reyes, a Latin, a Latin man with 16 bullets forced into him. And they said a total of 42 rounds were shot off. Shaven and another officer was chasing a car in 2005, causing the death of three people, according to Communities United Against Police Brutality. There were 12 police brutality complaints against Shaven in the Minneapolis Office of Police Conduct Complaint Database and there all listed as closed, non-public, and no discipline. What the architects are saying in Minneapolis and St. Paul, they're saying that every person 
that he came into and had an inappropriate interaction as a police officer was either employed and or a patron of El Nuevo Rodeo. So what does that say about Maya Santos Maria and the Minneapolis St. Paul law enforcement and governmental authorities? It looks like this woman might have been given a, what will I call it? It looks like she has a strong presence with the police and the government. So could the problem be Santa Maria and Chauvin was out here playing her personal bodyguard? Now, the road that Chauvin had at El Nuevo Rodeo was an off-duty police officer where Floyd and Jenkins was just security detail. Now, when she describes the two, this is Floyd and Chauvin, she had never said anything about Jenkins, but I still thought their relationship was interesting as well. It appears that in one brief, they were kind and they were soft hearted and they were very helpful people. And then in another voice, the two were deranged. And then sometimes she wasn't sure if they worked there or not, which makes me think she's a guilty party to this. And you're thinking, NDD, are you saying she's the cause of the incident? Almost certain. But it's an allegation, but it was intriguing to me how she had the hand of the Minneapolis PD and she still currently has the hand of the Minneapolis St. Paul government. Now, they said she's an effervescent female entrepreneur. But then I've heard another side of her that leads me to believe that she's a very messy, messy little thing. But I don't really care to share that. But it does lead me to wonder who is Maria Santa? Who is Maya Santa Maria? And what kind of hell are you causing in Minneapolis St. Paul to have joy to have George Floyd fall to the wayside at your expense? Maybe because here's the thing in conversation where she said that she only had him on occasionally. That's nearly impossible because she helped him get another job as security at another Latin restaurant. So in my mind, there's something going on. But will Maya Santa Maria ever get in trouble? Probably not. But that's why I always tell you guys money is the root to everything. Did George Floyd fuck up something for Chauvin and Santa Maria and Jenkins? I'm almost certain. And I find it ever so comical about the fact that the Minneapolis St. Paul community and their government is getting ready to defund the police. In my mind, you can't defund anything with Jenkins on board. But that's just my opinion. As most have paid particular attention to the leaders of the Black Lives Matter movement has been in the forefront to push the agenda of police brutality and social injustice across the country. Apparently, the federal government is trying to stop them. Um, you guys know my feelings about the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and so for me, it's not really a shocker to see it take place. But apparently the federal government had stopped a number of parcels that were being sent on behalf of the Black Lives Matter movement to a number of cities. Um, due to, 
I had assumed it was the funding who funded the mask. Um, some people said whoever it is, it's an individual that is under federal watch. And that's why they picked up the par parcels. But it's not any real clear understanding as to what um, the issue is. Some of you, before I start, some of you all are thinking, well, I'm not familiar with your stance on Black Lives Matter, uh, with the Black Lives Matter movement. Do you support them? I do not. Because to me, they come off in a very elitist stance and they do not want to include the entire diaspora of people who would be considered black. And so for me, we can't say one for all and all for one if you don't think I'm black enough or I'm too black or I'm really just African. You know what I mean? So for me, um, I honestly don't care about the mask because my problem is, is that health is first in this situation. You needed to be protected and you shouldn't have been relying on them on on the word in regards if COVID-19 is still in the air. It's a perfect place to spread the illness around, whether it's being done by terrorism or just our biology. So I think that that is a very sad place that they've put a lot of you all in. It looks like a lot of you all fell for it. I just I don't have the sympathy like that for real, to be perfectly honest with you. But to try to remain unbiased in this situation, I'm going to kind of give you a little bit of information about the situation so that you can understand it from their viewpoint. <clears throat> it appeared that the movement for black lives, which is a I guess that we'll say a subsidiary of the Black Lives Matter movement, claimed that shipments of face masks meant for protesters in Washington, D.C., St. Louis, New York City and Minneapolis were seized by law enforcement. The face masks were being sent to protesters to protect them from COVID-19 as they went out to protest. The U.S. Postal Inspection Service and the Department of Justice did not immediately respond to a request for comment. And I actually did. I actually did go to the federal government's Department of Justice uh, media section, and I did not see a press release about the situation. Just to be clear. So it seemed that the face masks were meant for protesters who were demonstrating against the police killing of George Floyd. The Oakland, California based movement for black lives had told Hufferman Post that they spent tens of thousands of dollars to acquire the face mask, which some of them read stop killing black people. The first four boxes were recently put in the mail and was supposed to arrive in D.C., St. Louis, New York City and Minneapolis because these cities were going to be hosting large demonstrations due to the death of Floyd Floyd. Law enforcement has seized these masks. And are not stating why is what the group said on an Instagram post. However, the group did say that the face masks were seized by law enforcement before they had even left the state. According to Huffman Post, the tracking details on the U.S. Postal Service website show that the boxes were seized by law enforcement and asked the shipper to contact the U.S. Postal Inspection Service for further information. They're still uncertain about why the face masks were being seized. And it seemed like this particular media outlet called Business Insider had contacted the Movement for Black Lives for further comment, and they had not said anything else. Somebody said that when they talked to someone who was close to the movement, they told them to 
go to the Huffington Post article because they said they were not familiar with Business Insider, which again shows a very elitist attitude. That's my opinion. Now to read what a girl named Chelsea Fuller, who is the spokesperson for the movement of black lives told Huffington Post, police have been rioting coast to coast, beating and gassing protesters who have called for an end to police violence with the explicit approval of President Trump. Now it appears that they want to ensure that people who protest are, are going to catch the pandemic in a manner that she feels will stop the movement. She also says, and this is what she says verbatim, the continued surveillance and disruption of social movements under this administration is chilling as it is dangerous. It should be roundly condemned. In addition, we all know that states and city authorities have warned people against a spike in COVID-19 cases as a protest continues. And again, the U.S. is still remaining to be one of the is number one with the most COVID-19 case and deaths globally. Um, they feel that the tear gas that the police are using across the country is is creating a fast paced move with the virus. Um, it appears that my recommendation would be to wear face masks, as I've always told you. And those who are vulnerable at home should stay at home and make sure that you quarantine if you are out. Now, another component that is associated to the BLM and the movement for black lives is the defundment, defundment of the police nationally. Um, I'm going to read something I think that came off of one of their Instagram accounts. Give me a moment while I look for it. I think in an effort to move the, I don't, for me, in an effort to move the masses on BLM side, they use celebrities to get involved. And so there was an open letter signed by a number of celebrities, which I won't men mention, that was asking for a national conversation of defunding law enforcement. The letter was created by Patrice Cullens, who's the co-founder of Black Lives Matter and a founding member of the Movement for Black Lives in response to the murder of George Floyd. To read them verbatim, the statement is that COVID-19 deaths and the deaths caused by police ter terror are connected and consequential, consequential to each other. The United States does not have a national national health care system. Instead, we have the largest military budget in the world and some of the most well-funded and militarized police departments in the world too, the letter states. Policing and militarizing overwhelmingly dominate the bulk of national and local budgets. In fact, police and military funding has increased every single year since 1973, and at the same time, funding for public health decreased every year and crystallized most recently with the Trump administration eliminating the U.S. pandemic response team in 2018, citing cost. The powerful open letter also urged others participate in the defunding moment by texting defund to 90975. 
Directly, they say vote no on all increases to police budgets, vote yes to decrease police spending and budgets and vote yes to increase spending on health care, education and community programs that keep us safe. Now, as my expertise as a former nonprofit executive, the conversation of defunding is not as easy as you all think. So I was intrigued by the celebrities that signed off on this letter as well as colors, because I don't know if you all understand what it means to defund. Before you can defund, you would need to defraud. You are saying, what do you mean by defraud? You would have to make sure that when you saw the budget for that particular department, did the money even reach the department anyway? It's a lot of smoke and mirrors, or oh, I'm sorry, a lot of checks and balances that the local and regional and national governments have to go through with their budget. But sometimes shit happens. And just because you see it on an item line on the budget doesn't necessarily mean that it took place. The police departments across the country have had some of the oddest things take place. And sometimes what you see as community funding ain't actually go to community funding. Funding. So before they can defund, they have to defraud. Misallocation is what I'm talking about. Where in the police department was there misallocation or no allocation at all? Because they may have already defund the police and you didn't know nothing about it. Because a lot of times when they're talking about allocation, that's off the books. And when I say that it's not a public affair, it's just between the city hall and the police department. So we first need to ask more questions, which in my mind, sometimes it's not going to be a question to give because the city or county treasurer don't necessarily have to talk to the voter. They can talk to your state rep. They can talk to your city councilwoman or city council man and the mayor. But none of them have to really talk to you. And that is where we need to change the conversation. We need to be able to ask our city treasurer, where did my tax dollars go? We see the budget, but did my money actually go there? I get what you're saying. We need to defund them quickly, but defunding is not easy. And there's still a lot of hoops and huddles that have to take place to make sure. Is this the most accurate budget that we're showing our community or is it a smokescreen? I appreciate them for their conversation, but sometimes I do wonder, do they really do the due diligence before they present it to you? Because defraud to me, defrauding the police department is more important to me than defunding. Because sometimes your favorite mayor or your favorite council person has already defunded the police and you didn't know nothing about it. Let's get to the next topic at hand.
Okay, y'all, y'all saw the footage of this older white guy in Buffalo, New York, getting knocked down by a siege of Buffalo PD. And everybody was extremely outraged. I was too, because it was funny, because I guess the police, the precinct, or the PD's communication team had said that the man had tripped and fell. <laughs> that footage did not look like he tripped and fell, Buffalo PD. Y'all know y'all was wrong for that. So um, what was the ramifications of it? Two of the men involved in the situation was charged. I'm not sure if it was a, I'm pretty sure it was a misdemeanor because uh, there was no they had like batons in their hands, but he didn't take the baton and hit them. So um, it's probably like some misdemeanor assault situation, but two of them had got charged and due to the two being charged, um, according to um, WBFO, the NPR uh, channel in Buffalo, um, all 57 members of the Buffalo Police Department's emergency response team have resigned from the team as a show of support for the two officers who were suspended um, that particular day. In addition, um, the mayor, Brown, uh, put a statement out basically stating the following. Um, I guess that was immediately following the incident because he says tonight after a physical altercation between two separate groups of protesters participating in an illegal dis demonstration beyond the curfew, two Buffalo police officers knocked down a 75 year old man. The victim is in stable but serious con um, condition at ECMC and I was deeply disturbed by the video, as was Buffalo's police commissioner Byron um, Lockwood. He directed an immediate investigation into the matter and the two officers have been suspended without pay. After days of peaceful protests and several meetings between myself, police leadership and members of the community, tonight's event is disheartening. I hope to continue to build on the prog progress we have achieved as we work together to address racial injustice and inequality in the city of Buffalo. My thoughts are with the victim tonight. And so in my mind to see the others go ahead and quit it let me know either there's something that we don't know about, which that's normally the case. And I also thought that they might have all been sick for real. Again, we're still talking about COVID-19. They were masked up and ready, but that doesn't mean they weren't mentally in distress or physically in distress. And I was shaking my head because I guess it was to me, it looked like it was only one police officer who provided the injury but the other guy refused to I don't think he was trying to help him he was probably going to make it worse to be honest with you and the other they just walked over him and so I don't know if they saw the victim as some kind of threat to the situation because it looked like he was asking him some kind of question or something and they weren't I guess that he may have said something but the older white man continued to go and that was where he knocked him over <clears throat> so um, I just think in conversation of the situation from the police perspective, how are y'all handling these officers who have been out there all day and all night? Because you got to prepare for them to go into quarantine. And they, to me, shouldn't immediately be getting back on the streets when it's 14 days later. 
Now, I'm not sympathetic to Buffalo's emergency response team because that was wrong, regardless of what he said. I just I don't know. A lot of it, even when we talk about the defunding of the police, I think it's imperative for them to increase your pay, because if they increase your pay and give you better health care, some of y'all wouldn't turn rogue. Some of y'all would have respect for your citizens. And so I think it's important to take that that moment in Buffalo to kind of see see it from the perspective of it not being a black person, but it was somebody white and they still didn't give a fuck. So um, it was intriguing. And I shook my head about the outrage that everybody had with that because he was old. And I mean, they had they didn't give a fuck for real. And they just walked over him and kept going. Now, in another city, um, Ferguson, Missouri, you all may have heard that um, we, and I say we because um, my family used to live there. They don't live there anymore. Um, they have taken on their first black woman as their mayor. Um, it has been celebrated, and I con congratulate her, but the rumors have started, and I don't know if these rumors started while everybody was at the voting poll, but the shit is outrageous. So I kind of want to say it and I'm going to say it with ease. I just want her to know that it's being said because I'm concerned about her health and her well-being, especially since she's an elder and especially because somebody says she has a pre-existing condition. They are saying that she has COVID-19 and she needs to know that. I would hope if anybody from St. Louis, Missouri or shit, anybody who knows her nationally or internationally can get a hold of her and tell her she needs to get tested. I don't know where that came from because it's just, you know, these are the most violent streets of St. Louis, Missouri. So she would need to figure out where it's coming from. Cause you know, her name is Ella Jones. If I didn't say that already, um, that's a very common name. That could, it could be another Ella Jones and that's what I'm hoping it to be, but she would need to get tested. And she just needs to remember that if she does get tested, nobody gets the results, but you and your doctor. It goes against HIPAA for anybody to really talk about it, but she needs to be concerned about that rumor spreading across Ferguson. In addition, I just, I don't, do I, do I say this? I'm gonna go ahead and say it because I thought it, it was a ridiculous rumor, but there could be some truth to it. If you didn't know, Ella Jones is a ordained and licensed minister of the African Methodist Episcopal movement in the St. Louis area. There is not an Amy church in that area. And it's like, and the one that I do know of is in far north St. Louis County, kind of near the borders of Southern Illinois. She wants to put an Amy church in Ferguson. So she is targeting two churches and they're on the corner. They're on, they're like adjacent to one another on the corner of Chambers and Elizabeth Avenue. One's a Roman Catholic church and one is a Baptist church, allegedly. She wants to make room for AME. So to me, I called it a faith war. I don't think that is of importance right now. We need to get into the conversation of the brutality that took place in Ferguson. Like I think that was like a week ago. That stuff she got to put on the shelf. And it ain't no way for you to run an AME church and run Ferguson at the same time. She now, they said allegedly she now has issues with the current chief of police who is also African-American for Ferguson. 
But first and foremost, she needs to go ahead and get her stuff together with her health. Um, she needs to be clear. I don't know why that rumor would take place, but the fact that her name is a common name and that could be another Ella Jones. That's what I really think it is because I would hope it's not her. But she needs to be on her P's and Q's. It ain't even, it ain't been, I don't know, has it been, it hasn't even been a full week. And this is what's being spread. We need to do better, Ferguson. Let me know. Okay, y'all. So I really didn't want to talk about this little one, but it's uh, it has come to my attention that she said she had a family member who was on the Ferguson PD. And since I'm talking about Ferguson, let's talk about her. The young woman, you know her as SZA. And she's a part of the TDE or Top Dog Entertainment that encompasses Kendrick Lamar, Schoolboy Q, et cetera, et cetera. And it seems that she was talking about the conversation of defunding the police. And so she makes a statement on her Twitter. And let me go. I'm going to read it verbatim because I don't want to um, misguide y'all on that. So her Twitter handle is SZA at SZA. And she was responding to a fan on her timeline and she says the following my uncle is a black police officer in ferguson dot 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 i love him dot dot so much still gotta defund that bitch in addition she makes a statement to somebody saying listen here dummy jewish and communities have privatized police and ambulances all the time no one says anything why we can't rebuild on a larger scale with an emoji a, a girl emoji who has her hands up like um okay and so i was shaking my head i said is SZA from st louis and so i look up it says she's from st louis her real name is solana Rowe. now mind you i ain't i'm not the i'm not the yellow pages of black st louis but i don't recognize her but that doesn't mean anything and so i looked at her mom and her grandma i don't recognize them and apparently her mom's last name is thompson but when we this is allegedly because the information didn't i'm getting it secondhand they asked the thomas thompson family of uh st louis missouri did they know her they said they did not and so you're thinking is there a family member of hers in ferguson um it is not and i think she's getting ready to get in trouble y'all that's why i'm bringing it up um, I think after she said that tweet, Ferguson PD's phones were going like ringing across, like they were ringing in a manner that was ungodly and they were pointing it back to SZA. They were trying to figure out who, cause she doesn't say the title of the police officer. And somebody said that it sounded like the grandmother was saying it was the chief of police. This is SZA's grandmother. Um, the man is not originally from St. Louis. He is from Miami-Dade County, actually. That was, he was in, uh, a police officer there. And so I'm confused about who the black man is. We, I mean, she's had, she, re, her name had been in the news like a couple weeks ago for getting caught up in some looting situation. She claimed she was in there trying to get dog food, but they claim they had her on record saying she was going to run and grab some stuff and run out. Um, she had did that to, wasn't it Sephora like years ago? Um, she stole Rihanna's makeup, 
and I think Rihanna was being petty. She sent her some makeup so she don't have to do that no more was what I heard a long time ago. Um, the problem that somebody had said is that she does have identity issues. And I think it's imperative for her to understand, even though this is very much an allegation that she might be having like the federal investigators come knock at her door about her conversation about Ferguson. Cause she, I don't know if they were trying to come and attack the guy or anything like that. We don't even really know if it was a chief of police, but she openly said it on her Twitter handle. I got this um, from uh, um, from the Jasmine brand, which is an, uh, a black entertainment blogger site. And so I don't know if she did a post and delete, but she's been having a lot of issues about who she's related to, who she isn't related to. Um, I don't know all of the police in Ferguson, but they said she has no relative there. And so with them blowing up their phone lines and everything else, she has to take into consideration her popularity to the masses. And so I think there might be some drama ahead for her because I don't know if they're going to say that she invoked people to come after him or what. But I just want to bring that up because they said she has no family in Ferguson. We're at this time not sure if she's actually a native of St. Louis because she said she was born in St. Louis, but it looks like she grew up on the East Coast. I think the real reason I don't really care for her because she claimed that she was Nigerian and that her father was a Nigerian from the Middle East. I did not know Nigeria was in the Middle East because, you know, I'm Nigerian, too. I'm from the Nigeria that's on the western coast of Africa. That's where my dad is from. I don't he doesn't know nothing about the Nigeria in the Middle East. So with that kind of dialogue coming from her, it makes me wonder who Top Dog Entertainment really is because she's starting to become an eyesore. They need to fix that. <clears throat> um. This is, we're coming to the end of the podcast. I again, appreciate y'all for listening. Um, I'll be back next week. God willing. Bye now.